0: The Game Schooler podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, is a weekly audio show that educates new and experienced gamers about the awesomeness of tabletop gaming. In this week's episode, we'll cover Dice Hunters of Therion, our game of the week, discuss gaming spaces in the school of gaming, and wrap it up with our high five games we regret getting rid of. Welcome to the Game Schooler Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Kotecki, along with my co-host, the esteemed Dr. Michael McCabe. What's happening, Doug? Not much. Feeling good. Excited to be back for another week of talking games and game schooling and everything that comes with it. Episode 141, man. Can't believe we made it. We're here. Uh, Before we go on, I want to thank AEG for sponsoring our latest giveaway. Uh, We gave away a couple of copies of Shake That City. And thanks for our Discord, folks, for uh, responding and, and, and being involved and active. Um,
1: we really appreciate having that. So yeah. And to our loyal listeners who listen to the entire episode, not just the opening segment to see if we're doing a giveaway, uh, stay tuned because Uh we might have some more contest type information later in the episode, Doug. That's a cliffhanger teaser. Um, you know, it, it was until you, you labeled it. Now oh, i now I'm it's just not. a schmuck. Now I'm just a part-time podcaster. <laughs> hey, but back back I to you.
0: We don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Nobody knows what's happening yet. That's um, true. I wanted to highlight uh, another piece of follow-up here is that last week's High Five, we talked about some great junior games, right? Yep. And the folks over at the Discord have followed up on that with some other great... There's a whole discussion about awesome junior yeah. games that they have played and, and are in their houses and and things like that so go over there and check that out gameschooler.com discord to sign up if you are not already um it's a great way whenever we have a high five list people add on
1: um school of gaming leads to new discussions so Just really appreciate the conversation that. going yeah you know, while you're talking about it there is one specific that i i like to get caught up on at the end of every week we have a a, a listener and somebody we actually met at, at gen con named sean and he talks about the lunchtime ga- lunchtime games of the week that that he's yeah. played with his group at work and i love hearing about the different games <laughs> that are played throughout lunchtime it really makes me feel like see you can accomplish a lot in this hobby he played three games at work i also
0: like following the um goodwill or thrift shopping oh that that other people seem to i don't know what planet what vortex they walk through that they're finding shrink wrapped great games fox in the forest duet yep um where our, ours has got what
1: a, every monopoly variant yeah, it's almost like we're in an episode of, of Sliders, which I think folks can see on Sci Fi or <laughs> Fringe, which was on Fox, one of my favorite shows about a decade, decade and a half ago, but where there's a different parallel universe, Doug, yeah. where you walk into a goodwill and everything is clean, everything is tidy, mm. and there's the board game section and they're all new with rule books attached. And it's not just 87 different copies of Taboo. An
0: outburst. (laughs) I need my outburst, my original 1975 Trivial Pursuit. We got plenty of those. I'm glad you're happy for those people. I'm glad one of us is. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, keep up the good work in in posting that. I I actually do love seeing that, even though a single tear rolls down my eye every time I do.
1: I'll sometimes Uh, get a text message from Doug. Did you see what so-and-so got? That's impossible. (laughs) That's impossible. Um. How about what's awesome in gaming? Yeah, I have a lot there, but I'll, I'll let you
0: lead. What, what do you have here? Uh, I've got kind of an awesome slash appreciate. Yeah. Um, which one of the things that's awesome in gaming and that I appreciate is that as things get busier, just the idea of being in a position to have time to play games, I appreciate. Yeah, And is awesome. And um, this past weekend, I pulled out Catapult Feud. And played that with my daughters, and it was just one of those things that we randomly set up on the table. And um, my youngest wanted to play a game, and I didn't want to play animal upon animal again. I'm like, oh, let's play play this. And eventually, it evolved to all the other kids were in here uh, playing, and, and Molly was the gopher picking up all the, the little <laughs> catapult boulders as they flew across the room, and and it was a good time. And it just made me appreciate
1: as we get busy finding that time and, and, and that we have lot, that time, does it? right? I mean, 20, 30 minutes and you can feel like you had, had a great experience with your yeah. own kids, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. I've had a few of those experiences as well. We've been very fortunate the last two weeks we've been hosting a, a young man from Germany in our house. And so it's been very different to have another man in the house, you know, somebody, <laughs> and, and it's been awesome. Uh, in, in, speaks three different languages, very, very intelligent, uh, really, really nice and kind person. And what are you going to teach him for games, right? Because we play games in our house. Well, Dice Hunters of Therion, which we're going to be talking about at length in the next segment, huge win, except I got destroyed by this young person (laughs) and my daughter. I finished third. I assumed you would have picked up a whole bunch of things from Essen
0: in German, overnighted them so that you could have an in-house translator.
1: No, 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 that's a really good idea. The look
0: of regret on his face that he didn't do that.
1: But then there are some things like you're talking about that just kind of become different experiences. And in our house, we enjoy playing Reiner Knizia's No Mercy, (laughs) a little push your luck card game. And then we bring out the iron clays and turn it into a No Mercy tournament. So we had these premium poker chips and played three different rounds of that. and uh exactly what you were saying you know it might take 20 or 30 minutes of everybody's time but getting together at the table and just having fun playing a game yeah and not so that it's content for this opening segment but so that's genuinely pausing from the chaos and busyness yeah which i thought was just our life And then when I talked to my wife, she mentioned all these other different people who've gone through this same stage of life where there's teenager and young kid and middle child and you're just permanent Uber Lyft driver, you know, and it doesn't take much and I I get so much back out of that time together. Well, it's funny how it it ramps
0: up. It's, It's for me anyway, I feel like it's one of those things that you always know is coming. And, but as far as the, the busyness of yeah. life and, and getting kids at different ages it's one of those things like, all right, yeah, you, you know, I've got older siblings and you see them go through it. I think the weird part is that I feel like it happens one year. Like it just happens the moment that it happens right away. It's not a gradual thing. It's like all of a sudden, oh my gosh, we're in everything now. Yeah. Um, how did that happen just at the start of the school year? And like you said, you're that permanent Uber driver going everywhere. Like, ah, I got to drop this off here. Got to drop here, pick up there.
1: Got to make sure that food. human gets fed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some,
0: somehow people are going to get taken
1: care of. So uh, it's amazing how fast that happens. And board games can, have kind of been that just social glue in, in our family just to bring different people together, get to the table, 20, 30 minutes. All right, now go do what you need to do. So yeah. that, that's been fun. That's, that's truly been awesome. And I plan on talking about it more in our next segment. Awesome. Um,
0: anything else you want to talk about before we kind of ramp up here? Not the whole show, just a
1: segment. Well, I've been hesitating on this, Doug. Uh-oh. Take take a moment, look at the time. Because here at the Game Schooler podcast, we want to be a landing place for new and experienced gamers. Uh-oh. I've got a big 48 hours coming up. I'm going yep. to a local convention, <laughs> and I am playing some... These aren't light or midweight, These are heavy euro games. Um, I've been brain, reading the rulebooks. Brain books. melters. Yeah, I'm, I'm sweating a little bit, uh, and I will report back more next week <laughs> if we decide to air this portion of the segment. But oh yeah, tomorrow I'm playing City of Big Shoulders. And Carnegie, which I'm really excited about. I feel very confident in in teaching and playing Carnegie because I've played it a half dozen times. City of Big Shoulders, I have not. It's going to take about five hours. And then on Friday, I'm playing Hegemony, a a a four-player battle where one person is the state, one person is the capitalist, one person is the middle class, one person is the lower class. I am super excited to play these games right now. So... I, I. Friday night, uh, I'll give you a text message, see how things are going. Um, It's like cramming for a test to try and get ready for this. It really has been. Fortunately, I have those three- and four-hour pockets of time in between the games to get ready for the next exam. But that is how I feel. I have not felt this way in 20 years. And I don't want to let people down. I don't want to be that guy who's stumbling and fumbling through the rule book and blah, 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 blah. Well, I did watch a video, but I didn't. So I, I want it to be a good experience for the other people at the table. Now are and, you and, pl- are you playing in the game? Yeah, I'm playing all three. Okay, I'm, I'm teaching, playing all three, and because uh, at one point you, you were talking about not playing at all, right? Yeah, when we got back from Gen Con, I tapped out momentarily and said, "There's no way, there's no way I am able to do this." And then I thought, "Wait a second, I want to play these games. I'm going to be okay. This is going to be okay. I'll just study <laughs> up, and it's time to play games." Yeah, and so. That, that will be a new experience for me. Uh, certainly playing games that are at, you know, that hobby level that take more than three hours. That's not something that I've done with other humans outside you and our game group. So I, I'm, I'm excited about that. And then playing a handful of other games at the convention that I signed up for that I just haven't played before. So should have some good follow-up for next week.
0: All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I, I'm I'm sure I'll get the blow-by-blow blow as the, the weekend happens.
1: But, <laughs> I don't know.
0: Um, yeah, unfortunately, I can't make it this year to Gamehole Con in Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin, but a last representation will be there.
1: That you know of. I have faith. You never know. Nah, it's not happening. No, I'm sorry, man.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, just a reminder to uh, subscribe uh, or sign up to our Discord, gameschooler.com Discord. Great community there. We've talked about it earlier in the episode. Uh, If you like what we're doing, spread the word about the podcast. We'd really appreciate that as well. And if you have questions or comments, you can reach us, email at gameschooler.com. Again, email at gameschooler.com to reach out and communicate with us. With that out of the way, let's move on to the game of the week.
1: The game of the week. The game of the week is an in depth look at a family friendly game we think you should try if you get the chance. This week's game is Dice Hunters of Therion. Doug, give us the stats. Well, it was
0: published in 2022 by Amigo Games. The designer, you may have heard of him, uh, Sir Richard Garfield. He designed some other popular game. Can't quite place a few which of them. Yeah, uh,
1: King of Tokyo. Mm, I've Bu- heard of that one. Bunny yes. Kingdom. Both oh yeah, those have been games of the week. Yes. Uh, he was knighted by the Game Schooler podcast, <laughs> I believe, for his contributions to oh Magic. There you go. Yeah, illusions. <laughs> magic the Gathering. Uh, the art is by
0: Dan May, and it plays two to four players about thirty minutes. Uh, the box says eight plus. Board Game Geek says six plus. Probably doable. Uh, there is no words or language required to play this game, and it falls in our family game category. In the Dice Hunters of Therion or Werfelden Hel- Werfelhelden, that's a German, I believe. Werfelhelden, Werfelhelden. <laughs> Uh, players slip into the role of a dice hero. I knew Michael would like that. Um, you slip into the role of a dice hero and take hold of the villains who are up to mischief in the kingdom. With their dice, players secure the rewards or find valuable treasures. With courage and the favor of the dice, they will succeed in claiming glory and honor in the name of Therion. That is a very elaborate description. So how you really play the game is you've got three white dice. On your turn, you will roll those dice, and you get two re rolls of any combination of the dice that you want. But when you stop, uh, you evaluate your dice and proceed according. On your white dice, you have one die that is a face that is a yellow die. If you roll that and keep it, you get to add a yellow die to your your uh, party for your next adventure. The next time you go out, there are also swords in different number combinations: one, two, and three. Uh, that you will keep, and I will explain what you do with those in a second. You also have coins. Uh, Coins just give you straight-up victory points. That's what you're competing for. Those swords you're going to be using to complete and capture the, the villains in the game that are warrants out available for everybody at the table. If I play three swords out there, Michael, if he is playing after me, has a chance to score more swords than I do. If he does, great, my dice come back to me. Michael now has the lead. If Michael cannot defeat my three swords and then Phil after him cannot defeat my three swords, it comes back to me and my swords are still out there. I am going to capture that villain. I'm going to get the reward for capturing him, and then we will move on to the next villain. However, uh, in order for Michael to score those, he needs to to beat my three and it needs to get all the way back around to him with his dice still out there. Push for your him swords to, to
1: the middle of the table. If they're still out there when it's my turn again, I collect that villain.
0: So then the yellow dice are going to have red dice. So you can cascade up from white to yellow to red. At any time in a future turn, if you roll a yellow or red dice with an X, they're immediately scared away and run Sad back to face. your run back to your player board. The interesting thing about the coins is if you happen to roll coins with no swords, you double the amount of coins that you get. Yep. So, uh, and the, the villains, as you're capturing them, they escalate in value. They start out at five, they go up to 10 and at 15. So in some cases, if you've got a whole mitt full of dice, you have all nine dice in front of you. If you rolled all coins on all of them, you're you're getting 18 coins which yeah, is
1: congratulations
0: impossible very difficult however it is more valuable than the current villain that's out there Which you've done on a turn i mean you've out, you've rolled six coins and pulled 12 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's it, it it is a viable alternate strategy as opposed to to going after the main villain
1: so another way of saying it there's multiple ways to push your luck you can yes. push your luck to try to get more dice in your hand that are going to help you uh, theoretically you can push your luck to go for just coins, or you can say, I'm going to have the most swords.
0: Yeah, it's got very simple mechanisms. Uh, all you're doing on your turn is rolling dice and, and basically figuring out how far you want to roll to get the combination that you want. One of the things I really love about this game is it's got a, the, a ramping fun. So as the game goes along, you start getting more and more dice in your pool. You're rolling more and more swords. It's becoming harder and harder to outmatch the person before you. But as you're going along, if I can't, you know, displace Michael's dice, I want Phil to displace his dice. So you're rooting for the other people. Like, don't let that get back to him, even if I can't beat it. Um, And it,
1: Even in a four player game, it's maximum engagement. Yes. Because you are watching to see if somebody else bumps up the sword count one higher. And if it's at nine and then the next person pushes it to 12, and I'm sitting here with three dice in my hand, it's like, well, I guess I'm going for coins and dice this time. And so I could roll it and I get, you know, a coin and two yellow dice. So I'm like, great. So, uh, but maybe I want, uh, maybe I want four coins. So I'm gonna roll that yellow die again, and then it turns into one sword, and now I'm stuck with just one coin. And so all of those little decisions of thinking about, well, here's what I want to do, but my desires come directly at odds with the math of the game. Yeah, and that's what I, I like about it, My My 14-year-old compared this to Las Vegas right away, yeah. right in the teach. My wife sat down and started watching the game, and usually she would ask four or five questions, want to see the rules, and she. I just said, just watch one round. And she said, oh, it, it, and it's kind of like quacks a little bit. And so there are other games in our house that we play and love and enjoy that Dice Hunters of Therion just brought some of that out right away and how simple it was to yeah. teach and play.
0: Yeah, I think it's a perfect cross between – King of Tokyo and Las Vegas yeah. it has both of those elements in there. And I'm glad you brought up the engagement. I put that down as a, a skill of concentration that this game, and it, I was trying to think of, and engagement's a better word, um, but uh, there is no time to take your eye off the ball in this yeah. game. Everybody's invested on every turn, even if it's not your turn. You care about what's happening, um, whether uh, somebody can can get more swords out there. Are they going after coins and trying to, uh, cheer other people on or, you know, there just seems to be a, a, a levity to the game, but the, the laser focus right. and, and observation of what's going on is such a big component
1: of it, right? It is. And it is a game that I think really favors that eight to 12 year old who wants to take big chances because so I have approached this game thinking I'm going to be very prudent. And I, I'm going to, that, that voice that's telling me to drive fast and to, and to take risks, I'm not going to listen to that voice. I'm going to play the math this game and built an early lead and then got absolutely destroyed by yeah. others at the table. And I think that, that that says a lot about what I actually like about the game, because even though the score is, is everything's out in the open, you can see how many coins, who's collected the number of, of villains. It is a game in which the dice, it's luck. And that's what some of the people probably don't care for it as much, but I think is such a leveler when you're playing with kids and new gamers. Luck yeah. is really a good leveling agent for people who may not have a weekly or three times a weekly game night. Yeah. that And that's
0: one of the things I put in there is just to be aware of. And I think, you know, if you go on board game geek and you look at some reviews that may rank this lower than we think it should be, um, it's lucky with no real mitigation. You know, yeah. your your coins don't allow you another reroll. You can't add coins to get more swords or or any of those other things that might be in more um, common games or more Euroy games. Uh, as things have changed, yes, this game came out in 2022. The 30 minutes on it is probably a lot. Like, I don't, yeah, th- I think I that's a little just high. I was go there too, Doug. No- that, normally people. That's are, for two games, my, yeah, my opinion. Normally game companies are, are trying to uh, go as low as possible. And you, even if they know they're wrong, it's like, yeah. they want to, they have a 90 minute game and they're going to tell you it's 60 minutes. Eight minutes. This is. <laughs> eight this minutes is per player per round. This is one that I feel like they've estimated high, which is great. And it, it goes back to what we've talked about in the past in a couple of, of opening segments in the past couple of episodes. Like this is a game that's supposed to be fun. Yep. It's fun. It's not supposed to be a thinky heavy brain burning game. And the idea of like, if you go into the game thinking it's going to be that, of course you're going to be disappointed. This has less uh, luck or a less strategy than King of Tokyo. And, and maybe about the same as uh Las Vegas, as far as choices and things that you can do, uh, that combination. And it's not, you're going to have bad roles. Yeah. It's a, like you and you're, you, and you, you have to know that
1: I had, I yeah. had a game where I got up early. I mean, I had, I had 35 and nobody else was even in the teens and I'm feeling pretty good. And then all of a sudden the person across from me just started rolling hot and I think I finished with 37 well I know I finished with 37 Josie finished with 42 and yours finished with 47 so I I know what happened I just looked at the log play this morning because I want to remind myself of how badly that went and I had fun yeah I can't think of many games where I get destroyed when I had an early lead and still had fun and and I I think it comes back to that time element that you talked about the other time this week I got a four-player game in two of them in 30 minutes and timed yeah. it on, on my watch, you know, and was teaching people how to play it in that first game. And that's set up playing at the kitchen table, yeah. put it all the way, put it back on the shelf, 30 minutes. So those are two things where, yeah, if you want perfect information, if you want to be able to play some of those games that I talked about in the opening segment where it does take three to five hours, well, don't 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 come to this one. But yeah. if you want to play an awesome game from Sir Richard Garfield, that, that has some dice chucking and some frivolity where you're actively rooting against other people and then maybe the next time you're rooting for them, this is a good one.
0: Yeah, the the you're able to set this game up and teach in under five minutes. Yes. You're going to be up and playing. And I think the going into it, knowing that you're going to have some garbage rolls and you're also going to have some really awesome rolls that just happen to work out and the ability to piggyback onto the other players sometimes their roles are just as exciting as your own. Yeah. Um, when, when I can have a turn and maybe I've only got my three original dice and I roll three coins and I can get six coins out of that turn. And no, I wasn't able to knock the guy off of the, the villain in the center of the table. I didn't roll swords. But then it's the next player's turn and they have a chance to knock the player right. out. I'm You're rooting just as hard for them because I don't want that like the longer I can potentially get more turns going after coins. If those guys just keep fighting each other. And so that investment where, you know, the last game I played of this, where it was where I'm getting just as much excitement over somebody else's roles because they happen to get the numbers that they wanted and and to beat somebody at the same time. If I'm holding on to that lead with the swords at the center of the table and each other guy is going and I'm saying, Ooh, I hope oh, they no, don't. For coins. Don't Just yeah, go get coins. Yeah, don't. You don't need that. You should, <laughs> uh, you know, save up your dice. Get get more reds <laughs> and yellows for next time. That investment on every turn, no matter whose turn it is, is really unique. Yeah. And the fact that they can sustain that for the fifteen minutes of the game, without overstaying its welcome, it doesn't seem like it runs too long. It's that that perfect mix of it's like there's equal parts of I'm satisfied and I could also play another game. Yep. Um. So it's got and a I lot of great And I play it things. again tomorrow.
1: Yeah. That that replayability. So the the game ends when you've captured the seventh villain, um. And they may not call them villains. I'm going to call them villains. And there's some pretty cool art in here. You've got a, a gnarly raccoon with a sword. And and folks, longtime listeners will know. I I get tired of animal art. I really like the fantasy animal art in this game. But what I want to touch on is is the ramping up and the teaching element, how this game scaffolds, which I think is very unique. Whenever I've taught this game, I'm going to win that first card. I'm I'm going to capture that first one because I know how many swords it's going to take with my three dice. If I get six or seven, I'm I'm probably going to win because a tie doesn't do anybody any good. You have to lead to push the person out. And... The, the leveling piece of that, that first villain's only worth five points. So right now, I'm showing the other people at the table how this game works, and I'm going to win that first card. But from that point on, it's game on. And the next villain is 10, 10, 10, 10, and then the last one's 15. And I think it's just such a great way to also just show when the game ends. The game ends when you capture the last villain. Um, it plays fast, You, you can it, multiple ways to win, and, and a lot of different skills that can be developed and replayed plays. And I'm saying that from watching my 7-, 11-, and 14-year-old all play this game in the last week or 10 days. Yeah.
0: So. Well, and you talk about the scaffolding, just the ability to, to, to jump off of this into King of Tokyo, to jump off of this oh, into yeah. Las Vegas
1: as a, a, a primer to get started on that because we here at the game schooler podcast always want to introduce you to more different, wonderful, challenging games, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And that leads me to hegemony. <laughs> now, <laughs> um,
0: the other uh, skills in this game, there's awesome decision-making uh, that allows players to make decisions based on their currently or previously available information, risk management. Do you go for, you know, you got a, a bunch of coins and and no swords. Do you, push on to try and get that last coin.
1: Are you just um, going to collect a whole bunch of dice?
0: Yeah, different, different things. I mean, I think as far as fit, I think classroom, oh, game night, I think this is also another one that we don't really talk about very much, but the idea of unsupervised kids. Yep. Right? This is a really good game that I can see my kids pulling off of the shelf, playing by themselves, and I have no concern about them, A, damaging the game, B, getting rules wrong, or well, and you know, and like see,
1: I'm gonna add a few others on there. If English is not your first language, yeah. If you're playing in a school or community setting where you have people who are not from the United States, or if you're in a different country and they're not from your country, this is a great game because there isn't any text. Yeah. If you know the numbers, you're gonna be good to go, and that's where I think this is like a hall of fame you know, 12 to 14-year-old game that pushes all the way up into the high school age. Yeah. Uh, really, really, really approachable in a way that not a lot of other games that we've covered uh, are. Yeah, I agree. Anything else we need to talk about yeah, with this one? Yeah, th- there is. I, for the last, oh, we're about about 15 episodes or now, and, and I'm trying to get better at two to three days because everybody's busy, but... Uh, I just got this one out a day before we went to record, but I reach out to the publishers and I say, hey, we're planning on covering your game. How do you want us to celebrate your game? And we reached out to our friends at Amigo and they actually came back with a link to the game on Amazon. Yeah, And this is where I, I'm not going to be snarky because I want to be very respectful of our friends over at Amigo, but longtime listeners will know I'm not a huge fan of Amazon. For buying games because of how my games have arrived, I don't like things coming smashed and dinged up. But from what I've heard, recent experience from friends—I won't name them—but they'll honor returns, and you'll get a nice copy eventually. But the long story short, when I clicked on a link to Amazon for this game, is 19.99. Yeah, and I thought, oh my goodness, this is going to be the first game that I buy from Gen Con because this is a gift for my nieces and nephews and godsons and goddaughters. This is a great game along the lines of when we talked about her story a a, a while back. Uh, Dice Hunters of Therion, I think, is going to get gifted quite a few times. And so that's what our, our friends at Amigo just wanted to pass on and let folks know of, hey, if you could share the link to the store on Amazon. And it sounds like they're trying to breathe new life Back into this game and for a game that just came out in 2022 uh I g- give it a look folks and, and give it give it a play great lunchtime game great uh after school game so i wanted to, to share that
0: yeah and i think that you know a lot of times we've talked about some games that are exclusive to to target or north america and so this is a situation where amazon we've got you know wide distribution whether you yep. you don't have a friendly local game store it's a great um situation to be able to pick this up and the you know the obviously the publishers sending us there as well. So
1: yeah, and then one other thing. Oh, Our friends that? at Amigo, it's contest awareness time. <laughs> they want to give away two games, Doug. Yes. They want to give away two copies and uh, I will not be the recipient. I I am it, it's it's tough, but I'm going to remove myself out of this <laughs> challenge or contest. All his kids but, are going to be registered though. <laughs> hey, 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 easy, easy possibly. Uh, Just my dog, Howie. But, Doug, how can people enter this contest to win one of the two copies from Dice Hunters of Therion?
0: All right. What we would like you to do is send an email to email at gameschooler.com. We're running
1: an email contest. We haven't done this in several episodes, so tell them again, Doug.
0: Email at gameschooler.com. And then just in the subject put uh, School of Gaming, and we are looking for... Just ideas on new school of gaming segments or questions that you think uh, you'd be interested in hearing or having us talk about. Um, anything to do with school of gaming and and you know, ideas, like I said, ideas, questions, anything like that. Send it to us along with your address. Um, this is going to be limited to North America. I we believe. don't
1: know. Well, let's see where the addresses come in. I, okay. I haven't. I don't want to limit it yet because surprisingly, sometimes it's not. Well let's let's just leave a question mark on that. Let's tell them when we're going to close it down though because that nothing breaks my heart more than the day after we've closed down a contest and we get an email. Okay,
0: so, so let me look at the calendar here. This, this
1: episode airs on Friday, October 20th. This contest will run till November 1st
0: um by
1: 2023.
0: Yes, November 1st we uh will be recording that gives you two weeks roughly a week and a half to get something in and um Again, that's email at gameschooler.com, November first, twelve o'clock noon Central Standard Time.
1: Well, now you're uh, giving people work to do. Well, hey, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to have no, a, but,
0: a grumpasaurus come in at twelve thirty. I, I got to put a hard deadline on we it. We
1: love giving away games, and this is it, it is one of my favorite parts of the podcast, knowing that there are games that are going out to folks who are are listening. Because if you're listening to the Game Schooler podcast. Um, you're playing board games, typically, usually. Hi, Ma. But we love for people to be able to get games. Yeah. So thank you, Amigo. So that is our
0: contest. Email at gameschooler.com. Send us a school of gaming recommendation. And that is our game of the week, Dice Hunters of Therion by Amigo Games.
1: the school of gaming in the school of gaming we discuss concepts keywords etiquette and helpful ideas in the world of gaming this week we will be discussing the importance of gaming spaces gonna talk about your favorite gaming spaces permanent gaming spaces temporary gaming spaces <laughs> And all other
0: types of <laughs> gaming spaces. All right, all right. What 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 comes to your mind here, Michael, when you think about gaming spaces?
1: Well, my what comes to my mind is the uh, variability from environment to environment that a gaming space has. If you're yeah. playing, if you're playing a board game in somebody else's classroom, if you're the adult, you know John Q. Jabroni who's walking in off the street, and you're just gonna take over a teacher's classroom. That's very different than if people are coming over to your basement and playing games or if you're playing games at the kitchen table with your family. So I just wanted to kind of talk about, you know, some different helpful ideas or etiquette for folks who are either gaming outside of their home or when they're having people into their home. That's kind of what I was thinking about with this segment. All right. So the, the one thing that where I took some notes on and thought about it was my experience with running in after-school board game club in a middle school environment and starting off in the library, then going to a teacher friend's room, then getting put in a different room where I didn't know the educators at all. And just the idea about leaving the space nicer than you found it. Mm. And I know that sounds very um, basic and maybe even, I don't know, teacher preachy. I'm not trying to, to go there or sound like a coach, but I do think it is really important to just make sure that everything is a little bit nicer than when you walked in the door because, believe it or not, Doug, in the world of gaming, Sometimes gamers are known as being slobs mm. or maybe even a little smelly. <laughs> I've so not heard that before. I think it's really important that if you're in somebody else's space and for a teacher, it's their work environment. For the student, it's their work environment, that you just make it a little bit nicer than you found it. That's yep. that's the first basic etiquette one. Okay. Um
0: interesting. So I went along the lines of the idea of having a Uh, as far as permanence goes, the idea of permanent uh, game space in your house. Yeah. And whether that's, is it important? Do you need that? Um, Things along those lines. And it was interesting because the first thing that I thought about is I do, I am fortunate enough to have the space to have a permanent gaming space. Um, But it's interesting because a lot of people I think would be like, oh, that sounds awesome. I wish I had the room in my house for that. One of the things that I have found that is a little bit of a negative that I'll put out there is I feel like it does lead to less spontaneous game playing Mm. because there's almost this idea of like, well, we got to go downstairs to play the game as opposed to just playing a game on the carpet or in the kitchen table or whatever. It's like all the games are in one space, so you have to make it (laughs) It sounds so um, terrible to be like, well, you have to make an effort to go downstairs, but that spur of the moment of like, everybody's done with dinner and we've cleaned the table and people are sitting around chatting. You, I, it just, because it's out of sight, out of mind, I don't yeah. think of like, oh, I should go downstairs and pick up a game. That's interesting. And, or like, all right, everybody get together. We're going downstairs to play a game. Yeah. That there are moments where it's like, I just wish I, and sometimes I had little nooks around the house where there was just games
1: tucked in to, <laughs> that's we, know, We've talked about our... We are each married to, I don't have the right grammar, but we have we have awesome wives. They're very supportive of this hobby. And this is where my wife is a saint because somehow she has allowed, maybe it's just with how, how busy our life is, she's allowed me to take the unschool approach to board games where in the unschool community you have books everywhere and there are all different types of books. Well, in our house, there are board <laughs> games everywhere. To the point where, for homecoming this past weekend, people are coming over to our house to take pictures, and I have a little—I I have a Reiner shelf in the basement, but then I have a next-up Reiner shelf right above our fireplace. Oh, top and, tier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, top shelf Reiner. And she just drew a little circle with her hand and she said, "Those are gonna have to go somewhere else tonight because people are taking pictures." I was like Quovatis? Well, why would the, the, why, why, why would they, they not want co- those in their homecoming pictures? Yeah, be that's great. Adds character. So I, that, that's something that I hadn't thought about before of uh, that having a single standalone dedicated permanent space can also limit some of the spontaneity of gaming. That's interesting. Um, but
0: I, I mean, I think it's awesome. Like if you can have one, it's awesome. It is awesome. Um, And I, th- I think there are, there are pros and cons to, to both, right? The idea yeah. of like, okay, we're. Uh, you know the 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 con of not having a permanent gaming space is the idea of like, well, if it's in front of the TV and the TV's on and it's in the kitchen and people are cooking, it's very distracting. It is very you know, distracting,
1: it, and some of your games may smell like chicken or stir
0: fry over <laughs> yeah, time, right deep, deep fried
1: <laughs> deep fried games. um
0: so there there is that 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 having a dedicated game space. I don't run into. Yeah. You know, there is, you know, Bluey's not on in the background, so nobody's paying attention to it. The focus is on, on the game. So that's good. Um,
1: how important do you think a dedicated or, or permanent game space is? Well, I want to just start off by saying this is a very spoiled privilege, whatever title you want to enter here, conversation. And I'm, yeah. I'm aware of that. The space is the keyword. Right now in our house, we have more space than I think back to our first house, which was an upper lower duplex. I might have been, a, and this is in all seriousness we had Catan, we had Dominion. I might have had space for three or four more games. To now yeah. have, you know, be able to have a home that has a few hundred different games, it, it is something that. I, I think it's somewhat important because of where, I'll just speak for me, where I sit in the hobby wanting to be able to play a game over time by myself or others, I do enjoy having a table that is permanently set up to play so that if creature comforts or clink, yeah. you know, we're tired, we want to go to bed, we'll leave it out, we'll come back to it tomorrow, finish it Saturday in the, after, in the afternoon or morning. So I, I enjoy it. I enjoy having a space that's set aside where people know like, hey, if we're going to play kickball in the house, um, we have to just keep it a little bit further away from that table because Dad has Wonderland's War going on, and if the Jabberwock goes off the table, we're in trouble. Uh, but well, I don't know if well, that making any sense. No, here. well, it, it certainly is the idea of of uh, the the privilege or the the the
0: luxury of being able to say I mm-hmm. have a room. However, when I think of gaming spaces and how houses and, and people function, sometimes when I think about the idea of like permanent gaming space, like this is the area. And it may just literally be a kitchen table that's us. Or, or a dining room table that like, this is our gaming space. Yep. It does other stuff, but like, if we're going to play a game, this is where we're playing games. Is there an advantage to having that kind of predetermined of like, this is our game space or is it, well, we can play on the kitchen counter, we can play on the, um, the the dining room table, we can play on the couch, we can play on the floor. It just depends on where we are and what mood we in. Is there a difference from like a, maybe an educational standpoint of like, this is our game area,
1: even if it's a multi-purpose area. But I think the answer to that is so unique based on the age of the gamers you're playing with, right? Because if you're playing with four or five and six year olds, Good luck getting them to the kitchen table. You're yeah. going to be playing on the floor, hardwood or carpet. That's pretty much your decision. My knees point. are going to be destroyed. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but then, as you get into different games, even like this game that we talked about in our game of the week segment a little bit earlier, Dice Hunters of Therian, that needs a table or or a hard surface. Yeah. Eliza, my my youngest, who's seven, loves to play on the floor play on the carpet and we'll move around while she's playing. She'll come and look at everybody else's cards or whatever's going on and run circles. Like it's duck, duck, goose. And I'm saying, no, we're playing this at the table we are chucking dice. Uh, We're playing at the table. And so I really think that that's a a user by user um, answer. Yeah. I
0: think the, the overarching feeling I had after or, or making notes for this segment, the, I that my takeaway was the idea of the important part is not necessarily the gaming space. It's the idea that you're actually playing. Yeah, you know, actually getting games to the the quote table, which may not even be a table, is more important than the actual environment that you're playing them in. Um, and I, I, it's it's interesting because I think about you know we've played at conventions, we've played in each other's houses. We played at other people's houses. We, you know, all over the place, schools, things like that. Hampton Inn. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. Lobbies of hotels. You name it, we played a game there. Um, and it's funny because the, the things that come back to me are the moments of the games rather than the space that it's in. Yeah. That's really which, good. Which brings me back to the idea of just, just be playing. Yeah. You know, and obviously this doesn't go into for forcing your hobby on somebody, that's not what I'm saying. But if you enjoy playing games, play the games.
1: Yeah, that's really good. And that's something that I think our listeners need to hear and probably need to hear again. And hopefully one somebody from our game group is listening to this segment because I, I've known the guy for seven, eight years, never been over to his house to play games because of he doesn't like the condition of his farm home. Yeah. You know, and it's like, no, we'll go play games. Let's just go play a game. Um, and so I think sometimes if, if you're going over to somebody's house and it feels like, whoa, they've got, they've got this, they've got that. I, this is not a comparison game, Yeah, right? It, it, and so that, that was, I have two points that I want to make for people who are going over to other people's house. Like I am very fortunate and privileged for the last five years to get to come over here where, mm-hmm. where we record. Headquarters is really nice, guys. There's anywhere from 300 to 1,400 games next to me <laughs> and at my disposal all times. But the other part that's really important about that, it's not just, well, I don't want to compare to Doug's house, but the second thing that I think is very key, and this is an etiquette thing, know when it is time to leave somebody else's house. <laughs> and i I think I was looking back at some of my log plays and earlier log plays, like, It's coming up on six years of coming over here and playing Hmm. games somewhat regularly, and there are cues of when it's no, it's time to go, Uh, you know. So if when the homeowner turns into being a homeowner, there there is a time to leave. So if your permanent gaming space is at somebody else's home, I would just encourage folks to set up clear rules because gamers tend to either min-max the rules or work towards the rules. But if the rule is we're not going to learn a new game before or after 10 o'clock or hard out at 11 o'clock, whatever it is, it's great to get those rules in, but then just check in with the human and see like, Hey, is, are you tired? What do you have? How's this for, is it time yeah. to go? So that that's the only other thing too, is be conscious of if your gaming space is somebody else's house Uh, because I don't know if people do check in on that or if people are aware of that yeah great points anything else
0: that we want to throw at uh, gaming spaces I'd love to hear what the the folks in the discord have to say about about this and any of the ideas I mean we kind of kind of a wide ranging topic that we hit a whole bunch of different parts on so certainly I'd love to know if there's any areas that we need to elaborate on or something that we completely missed which is 100% possible. Um, So that is a, a brief discussion on gaming spaces. Let's move on to the high five. If you're anything like us, you're constantly on the hunt for new games to check out. This week, Michael and I are going to be sharing our high five list of games we regret getting rid of. Now, it's a little bit of a misleading title because I don't have any games that are on my list. I'm like... I need to immediately buy them back. Yeah. Because if I did, you they would, would have al- done that. <laughs> they would already be bought Same. back. Um, even though some of the values may have gone up on some of these, these are games that if you told me right now that they would magically be added back to my collection, I'd be like, I'm okay with that. Yeah. It's not necessarily I regret getting rid of them. There are reasons at the time that I did. Um, but there are games that have left my collection that either I wish I could, man, maybe I'll give another chance to, or If it was on my shelf still, I wouldn't be mad about it. Very
1: similar. All right. Number five, Shopkins Poppin' Race from 2015, (laughs) colloquially known as Trouble, a game that I threw away about 10 days ago. And then in last week's recording, Doug just activated all of the guilt switches in my body. Um, Our dog got into this game and made a mess of it. Got into it, (laughs) made a mess mess on it. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And... I had a a bid on eBay, all ready to go, $5, $8 shipping, new, box looked good, showed it to my wife. She just shook her head like, no, that is a blessing that that game is out of her <laughs> house. So I had it on honorable mention, but I thought, you know, I'm going to slide it in the five spot yeah. because everything that I just said is 100% true. <laughs> All right. Everything I'm going to say is a lie from
0: right now. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> no, but that one you can't make up. The timing's good. No, that's a good one. Uh, my number five is a game called Among the Stars. Uh, this was originally published, and, and there is a trend here that the, uh, these seem to be games that I got rid of quite a while ago or were early games in my collection. So this one came out in 2012 um, from Artipia Games, and Among the Stars was a a drafting game that came out after Seven Wonders. And the interesting part of this is that you were drafting cards to then place into your spaceship. And they needed to be connected in various ways to score points. And you needed to make sure that they were powered um, in order to get those points and in order to keep adding on to more parts of your ship. So there's a really cool mechanism of taking the... Um, the basic of drafting and then adding a little bit extra to it. Right. And, uh, they re-release this as field of greens, which I was, yeah, uh, or fields of green fields yeah. that I was really excited for. Cause it was a, like a modern farming game, which you don't see a lot of. Um, unfortunately I didn't like it as much as among the stars. And this one has just drifted away from my collection.
1: Well, do you want me to add it to the list on noble night games that I curate or no? No. for 14 dollars you could get it today there you go so not not uh hasn't increased in value so uh, I'm
0: good with it not being here but okay if if it was in my house still,
1: I would be okay with that too. Awesome so through one game uh Doug is plus one dollar in value for those keeping track at home my number four- plus one. Yeah, I, th- I thought you said Shopkins was $5. Well, 13, I include shipping. Oh, okay. So, gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Uh, my number four is Seven Wonders Duel, uh, 2015 game. It's a two player only game. I gave this game away to one of my kid's friends, and I'm not trying to virtue signal and say, oh, look how awesome I am. I was actually trying to recruit a new listener and hopefully get five stars for a podcast. Um, uh, So five five stars. I feel like there's a shakedown in your future. (laughs) I need that game back, kid. But at the time, it was what we had a cookout. We had a bunch of people over. The kid was so excited. They couldn't find it for whatever reason. And Antoine Bauza's classic with great art from Miguel Coimbra. And in my head, I'm like... How many two-player games do I need? I my two-player shelf is full. Yeah, I, I have a little Calix, you know, cube that's just for two-player games, and and I let it go. Um, I wouldn't mind if this one walked back on my collection at some point. Seven Wonders duel is a great game. Back and forth. You got a little pyramid style. it's taken the good parts of Seven Wonders, it's compressed it down. Um, it's a fun little game. So that's my number four is Seven Wonders Duel. All right. That is a good one, and it is still in my collection. That's the other reason why I gave it away.
0: All right. My number four is a game published in 2015 by a company that no longer exists. However, it was recently republished by Renegade, and that is Dead Men Tell No Tales. This is from designer Kane Klinko, and in it, it is a cooperative game in which you are trying to... um, either stop your pirate ship from burning. I can't quite remember, but collecting treasure along the way and, and battling um, skeletons and pirates and, and things of that nature. And it is a game that, when I originally played it, seemed to have enough stuff similar to Pandemic that I felt like, yeah, it's mm. kind of like Pandemic. And, and so it, uh, it's one that I would like to try again. Yeah. Um, with a, with a fresh set of eyes or, or, uh, eight more years of, of gaming under my belt to say, is it, did I give up on this too early? And it's like, it seems like a cooperative pirate game that there should be gobs and gobs of them out in the marketplace. And I'm surprised that there isn't. Right. Yeah. yeah. So too many, that is my number four,
1: dead men tell no tales. Awesome. My number three, I talked about a few episodes ago, a few dozen episodes ago, and that's Rolling Heights, John D. Claire, AEG. It's a 2023 release. I simply cannot see the different colors of the meeples. So it's a game that I set up, I got on my table. I was so excited to play. It's a little city building game over time, and you're you're doing. I love John De Claire's games, a lot of them, most of them, and. I simply could not tell the blue from the purple, from the red. From the, I couldn't tell anything, and I almost had a tear from my eye, like when the Bears did the double doink against the Eagles. It wasn't quite to that level, but it was one of those. It, my kids could see. My kids were sad for me, not <laughs> not making fun of me or laughing at me, but they're truly really like, "Oh, poor dad." And I think I've only had like three of those "ah, poor dad" moments in my life. So that's where I, I made memorable. number three, uh, Rolling Heights. It's not that. Um, I need it back in my collection. I just want to play the darn game. But in order to do that, I'm going to have to get a set of stickers or very odd-colored Sharpies, and who's going to let me carve that up? So I packaged <laughs> it up, traded it away, gave it to a new home. Uh, number three for me, Rolling Heights. I'd love to hear if it is actually a good game. So if folks <laughs> are on our Discord, if you like it, uh, tell me about it, because then maybe I'll, I'll get a chance to Isn't play, that play that it at a like convention just, or somewhere else again. Just sticking the knife in, though? No, I want to... Oh, Michael, I'd... it's my favorite game of all <laughs> yeah, time. Right, I really that, wish you could play it with that, me. That's an opinion-based
0: question. You're right. <laughs> Moving on. All right. My number three is uh, Police Precinct, the second edition. Uh, originally published in 2013 from Common Man Games, uh, Oli Steinus is the designer. He I went like on to, uh, to do... Um, Meeples and Monsters? Yes. Uh, what's the other Viking one? I'm Midgard, to, Champions yep, Midgard. Champions of Midgard. Um, so in Police Precinct, it is a cooperative game in which you are running around. Sol- I, you're solving one big crime. It's a cooperative one. But in the meantime, you've got to take care of thugs on the streets and robberies and car crashes and things like that. All of the mundane stuff that's going on in the city while you're trying to solve this bigger case. You can also play it with a, uh, a dirty cop in there as well who's trying to hinder you um the game is somewhat hard as it is so the idea of adding a dirty cop in there seems almost abusive but um it was one where it came out a little bit after flashpoint fire rescue and it was like one of those things was like well, how many civic yeah. civic protection games do i need um and i it's one that and maybe this is one of the 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 qualifier maybe shouldn't be games that we regret getting rid of it's games that have left our collection that i'd like to try again yeah and maybe i didn't I think make, that's a better name for lists um <laughs> maybe uh try it if i get a chance again and maybe i gave up on it too soon so but that, i
1: think that that's a cool part of the hobby yeah right yeah. sorry to interrupt you go ahead say no. the name of of your game yeah my number three is police precinct yeah and uh I'll jump right in. My number two is Earth, also a 2023 release, one that I got, I played, I played solo. I tried to get other people in my family to play it. I got, tried to get my game group to play it. It was just a little bit fiddly, uh, a little too many things going on at the table. And, you know, I played it solo a half dozen times and traded it, let it go. And the fact is, if this comes up, not the fact, but if this comes up at a convention or if somebody says, hey, do you want to play Earth? I'll sit down. I'll play that again. Absolutely. I, I enjoy playing it. At the end of the day, how many games at a weight right around three? How many hobby games do I need in my collection? Yeah. I'm full. Yeah. And that's where Earth just didn't didn't make that that shelf. Um, I'd play it again. I enjoy playing it. And that's my number uh, two, I believe? Two, yeah. Earth. All right. My number two is a game
0: that is one that I wish I had back to play with my kids. Interesting. And um, I have I always enjoyed the game, and I think it would be just a fun one to play again. And that is a game called Food Fight. Now, if you're looking this up on Board Game, Board game Geek, there's like 12 different games called Food Fight. So... Good luck finding that, um, but it was published in 2011 by Cryptozoic Entertainment, and in Food Fight, you are battling um, over meals, so there are, there's breakfast, lunch, and dinner that you are fighting, and, and before the fighting occurs, you are drafting cards to kind of build your army. You secretly choose which uh, meal you're going to fight over, and then you are shuffling the cards that you contribute to that meal. And then revealing them, uh, kind of in a back and forth battle type thing, in the order that they come in, come out uh, contributes to how much yumminess they have. And if your meal has more yumminess, you win the battle, um, which you're trying to do. The art in this game is really
1: like lunch pail kids, almost. Yeah, garbage pail kids. Garba- yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, really interesting, um, somewhat disgusting. But I, it was one of the first games I ever got, and I uh, gave it away or, or sold it to, to one of my friends, so I, I have no idea if she still has it, um, so I may be able to get a chance to play it again. But it seems to have stuff in it that has popped up in later games that I like more now Okay, that feels like a, a, a dice throne or uh, challengers has a lot of these elements that are in other games that I'm wondering if it was, I don't want to say before its time, but wasn't ready
1: yeah. <laughs> for for its audience. So that's my number two, Food Fight. Interesting. All right, my number one is Dragonwood from 2015. Designer is Darren Kiskin, and artist is Chris Beatrice, and it was published by, or is published by GameRite. And this actually came up just this past week while we were playing Dice Hunters of Therion. Uh, in Dragonwood, I'm going to give the board game geek description. I think people who have been listening to the whole episode will understand why I'm making that connection. Roll to defeat monsters and collect items. Will you be able to defeat the dragon? Same it, game. It, it, it's <laughs> not the same game. It's It's even, a, I don't want to say a more junior, but it, its target audience is is younger, even younger than Dice Hunters of Therion. Um Really good game game that my family had a lot of p- fun playing. Uh, but about a year ago, I just thought that my youngest had kind of grown out of it or gravitated towards other games. And as soon as we got done playing Dice Hunters of Therion, and it was, yeah, hey, we should bring up Dragonwood. Uh, We should. About uh, that. About <laughs> that. I'd have to go see if I can trade it in at Noble Knight or an on uh, board game geek. Yeah. So that, that's my number one. And... Uh, a game that I'll play again uh, down the road at some point in time and and like you had said about your last game too just some cool art very uh, whimsical art with different wizards and and knights and some cool looking dice that you're doing fun stuff in the game so
0: all right interesting the the last one that I have is I know exactly why I got rid of it and I don't know if the I don't know if I was incorrect in that assumption, or I realized that there is room for both of them in my collection. Uh, my number one is a game called Elder Sign um, from Fantasy Flight Games. It came out in 2011, um, and it is in the same uh, Cthulhu universe as Mansions of Madness and Eldritch Horror and Arkham Horror and, and that whole line of Fantasy Flight games. And my preferred game in that series is Mansions of Madness. And I figure, and, and the, the tricky thing with Elder Sign is that it can run long. So it's like 60 to 90 minutes. And I thought, well, if I'm going to be playing a game, that's 60 or 90 minutes, I'd rather just play Mansions of Madness. There's more story. There's more stuff kind of going on. However, as they release more expansions for Elder Sign, they did streamline a little bit of it and, and, made it more of the exploratory stuff that I enjoy in Mansions of Madness. And I miss being able to pull that out for the simpler ruler- rules, okay. you know, uh, Mansions of Madness is app driven. So that helps quite a bit. Um, Elder Sign is very much dice rolling, very much in the line of King of Tokyo and Dice Hunters of Therion, where you've got the roles to try and make the combination that you need to, in order to to beat the monster or solve the puzzle, good and, little Yahtzee mechanism
1: built in. Yeah, there, right? and yeah. so in
0: order to uh, get into that quicker, and there's less setup that there is in Mansions of Madness of getting the tiles out and the characters and minis and things like that. Uh, Elder Sign offers that, but in a, a simpler uh, experience, and I end up selling it with. That and and maybe one or two of two or three of the expansions that I had at the time, um, if it was in my collection, I'd be like, great, I'm, yeah.
1: But um, we'll have to track down a copy of X Men Mutant Insurrection, which is the reimplementation of Elder Sign. You're saying no. I've heard not good things. <laughs> yeah, the rating <laughs> but, doesn't bode well. But <laughs> I don't know if you want to. You never know. There's like a great X-Men example and, of yeah. try before you buy. There you go. Right. The
0: only other um, one that I had on my honorable mention was Bonanza. But I have the new version of yeah, Dahlia, Dahlia, so um, we'll see how that goes. How about you? Any honorable mentions? Lots for you? Lots of honorable mentions. Uh,
1: I think notable ones. Catan Junior is one mm-hmm. that uh, I kind of like to get back just to see if I could still try to get my kids to play it. Yeah, uh, and then Eternal Eternal Chronicles of the Throne is a game that was designed by Paul Denon and published by Renegade, but the the team over at Direwolf that I've been wanting to play again with other people. There was just a little bit of uh, voluptuousness on the art was, was a reason for getting rid of that one. Uh, and then I have about five other mid to heavyweight Euros that I'll talk to you about off air, Doug. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, not, not for our listeners' ears. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. A reminder to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. We appreciate that. Follow us on X at GameschoolerU. Join our discord gameschooler.com discord next week. We're going to be talking about deducto what attracts us to a game and our high five mechanisms, which should be a, a great high five list. I'm looking forward to putting that one together and a reminder for a chance to win a copy of the dice hunters of Therion email at gameschooler.com. Give us another idea for a school of gaming segment. And what's the email they should email us at Doug email at gameschooler.com. Lastly, thank you so much for spending the last hour or so with us. We
1: truly appreciate it. Now get out there and keep gaming.